I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes, for sure, for sure. And we're going to be talking about Gran Torino. Um, this is the car I have in the driveway, and I feel like we should talk about it for an hour. <laughs> oh, I just want to ride around in it. Yeah. Let's not talk. <laughs> On second thought, let's talk about the movie, Gran Torino, from 2008, um, starring and directed by Clint Eastwood, Um, yeah, back in 2008, so I I should have looked up how his age, I think we did that at the very end of the last podcast, Um, he was like 90-something, yeah, early 90s, right, yeah, Yeah. so this was um, 15 years ago, so he was, what, 70... 78 or so. Um, but anyway, what, what a terrific movie. Um, what, what are your impressions to start with? It has the best get off my lawn moment of any old man ever. <laughs> yes, it Bobby does. Harry was going to tell you to get off his lawn. Good job, Walt. That's what like. oh. yeah. <laughs> You know, I should say, um, when, when, so I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So oh, my yeah. first. Uh, we moved when I was in kindergarten. So was I five maybe, but anyway, my next door neighbor was named Walt and he was the best old guy ever. He was, he was not quite like Clint Eastwood, (laughs) um, but my, some of my earliest memories are of Walt. So, um, anyway, I just wanted to shout out to Walt. How nice for Walt. Yes. Bless you, Walt. Wherever Walt is. Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's passed away long ago, but um, yeah, thanks, Walt. <laughs> so this Walt <laughs> is a little rough, a little cantankerous. He's a little um, angry. A little angry, yeah. Upset by the chaos in the world. That's right. Specifically in his neighborhood. Yeah, so he's you know lived there a long, long time, and the the neighborhood has had a lot of different people been moving in, and. Um, He's not a happy fella. <laughs> not a happy fella. And then added on to that at the very opening of the movie, the very first scenes are uh, his wife's funeral. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so he's, he, you know, you can tell, I mean, he's got the Clint Eastwood mad face, <laughs> the oh, scowl yeah. that we've seen so often that uh, no one can do like he does, mm-hmm. you know, the make my day face. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, but I, I love just, um, what a cool way to open the film because so much occurs. Um, you see so much and you get introduced to this guy so well, it's just, um, it worked perfectly, um, to have him there and his, you can tell that he's estranged from his family. He's not too pleased with them. He's, um, sitting by himself, um, uh, he, he scowls at the, what I'm guessing is a grand niece <laughs> or a grandkid, right? Um, grandkid. Grandkid, and right. He's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's not, not wrong. wrong. I, yeah. I understand why Walt's unhappy. That's right. Um, his mm-hmm. family, he's got two sons mm-hmm. and, um, one is the one and the wife are the ones we see him interacting with the most whenever 
family really is involved, but they don't, they don't obviously connect Mm. and the kids care about stuff that he doesn't care about, which is, you know, making money and all this stuff. And they really just seem to care about stuff, Mm. you know, um, don't they want, they want money. Mm -hmm. The granddaughter would like to have his grand Torino, which (laughs) is his pride and joy. She, you know, everybody just comes to him wanting things Nobody ever takes the time to kind of sit down and talk to him. And I don't mean to make him sound like he's a lonely old man just sitting on his porch wanting to talk to somebody. (laughs) He wants to talk to no one. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to sit on his porch with his dog, Daisy, who is Clint Eastwood's actual dog, by the way. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And -hmm. drink beer. And -hmm. maybe go talk to his old friends down at the barber shop or the bar, whatever. Um, But his neighborhood has changed so much that... It's he's mostly living in the middle of a Hmong people's uh I say Hmong people, that's how I think of them. I know they're a, a hill people, is that what we learned? Yeah, yeah that's what we learned from but her. It's yeah. kind of like they cover a lot of um Asian they're in a lot of Asian countries, you know. Yeah. They're they're beyond nationalities, you know, Vietnamese, mm-hmm. Laos, all these places. So they have their own culture, but he doesn't care. He's uh, busy expressing himself with as many racial slurs as he can dig up from his <laughs> days in, was it Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in so, Korea. He was in Korea. In Korea. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, well, whatever it was, they're mm-hmm. all the ones that you might hear in an old World War II movie where they're talking about the Japanese or something like that. Yeah, right. And, um, but he is here in 2008, and he is spitting them out as offensively as he can because he's mad at everyone. Hmm. And um, these people are no different, his next-door neighbors and the other people. And uh, occasionally he'll encounter a few black kids or teenagers, youths, I should hmm. say, who are busy behaving terribly because oh, he's boy. really in the middle yeah. of kind of a ghetto essentially yeah and um some people like the Hmong people they're just trying to live their lives and go on the other kids are not there's gangs and stuff and so um he winds up interacting with the people next door where there's a daughter and a son and he likes the daughter eventually after mm-hmm. they meet because she's sassy to him yeah and he doesn't like the son because he thinks he's just a wuss. Mm-hmm. He's gardening. He's, you know, just, a, he's kind of a gentle kid and really odd in the neighborhood because he's not trying to join a gang. He's just trying to keep his head down and get by. Mm-hmm. And yep, yep. that's the setting. And that's so much of the setting because then it starts to be about the personal interactions, mm-hmm. the things that happen between, like, he'll, the girl's being hassled mm-hmm. horribly threateningly by some people and he stops and basically intimidates everyone. <laughs> oh, <that laughs> and including good. his gun. I want to be and, like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm ever in that off, situation, that's going to be my role model. Oh my gosh. I wish <laughs> um, I want that to be your role model too, in case I'm the person that needs saving. But yes. <laughs> yeah. He takes yeah. no guff from anyone. He no. knows who he is. He knows he's tough. He knows he doesn't really probably have to worry about these kids. Mm-hmm. And he is ready to take them on in their fashion. <laughs> and he winds up intimidating them. Yeah, You know, I love, uh, there's one scene where it's the girl, Sue, who's being threatened by the three black young men. And uh, they're finally like, okay, go on, get out of here. 
And then later they're like, well, you didn't stand up to him. No, and I didn't stand up to him. <laughs> that thing is just going. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. He demands respect. <laughs> even though they're yeah. thugs, it was so funny and typical, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm kind of rambling. But no, you're doing great. It's just fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty much the movie. Um, but I would add Father Janovich. Um, oh, my gosh, Jan- yes. Father Janovich. So we see him early on. So at the wake, after the funeral, and it was a Catholic funeral. Um, at the wake, um, the priest approaches Walt and says, Hey, Walt. And he goes, Mr. Kowalski. (laughs) Yeah. So you immediately, I mean, in, in one line, you know what his relationship with this priest is. Um, but the priest explains that, um, Hey, your wife really wanted me to talk to you and she was really worried about you and she really wants you to go to confession. Um, and Walt has, no intention of doing that. He's no interest in it and mm-hmm. lets him know so. Yeah. And says, you know, basically, thank you, but no thank you. Uh, you know, you're released from that obligation, buddy. <laughs> Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. And then uh, this priest shows up uh, throughout the movie, just off and on. And um, very young guy, too. He, he appeared to be really young. Right. Well, yeah, he seemed like he was not that long out of the seminary. But the thing that you find out is just because Walt says, okay, great, you you delivered the message, that to this priest is not fulfilling his obligation. Right. Mm-hmm. He promised the wife that he would do this, and he is, by golly, going to keep bugging him. Mm-hmm. And um, he winds up, he starts off, you think of him kind of like Walt does. He's mm-hmm. this young kid who doesn't really know anything. But it turns out he's got staying power and he's tougher than you think just in terms of he can come back and talk to him. He's always thinking, what's a different way to to get through to Walt, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. And so, essentially what happens is we're shown this, you know, person who, I like that at one point there's a Hmong shaman who says the same thing as the priest. He's not at peace. Walt is not at peace. He's unhappy. He's unhappy with himself, although we don't find out why or to what level till much later. And we don't really find it out till later. Um, he's very unhappy with the world around him. And I kind of understand things look chaotic and you just go, oh, I hate everything. <laughs> and um, so, and his way is not to keep quiet about it. <laughs> his way is to express himself. And through the interactions with the people next door, who are extremely grateful when he rescues Sue from the aggressor she was facing. They invite him over. They start all the whole neighborhood starts bringing him food because they feel like he's stuck out for them. He's like, no, 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 no. Hmm. But he eventually winds up with enough contact with him that he starts getting sucked into personal interactions that start to affect him and Tao, who is the brother next door, the high school age brother. And that's, of course, where the story really takes off because it start, this movie, it's kind of almost like a morality tale hmm. in that sense of all these people are having to grapple with all these ethical questions and try to find peace. Hmm. And um, Walt is also dealing with these things because it makes you stop and think about what is family, what makes a man... And how can we fight evil when evil doesn't follow the rules? Yeah, yeah. And also, um, to me, there was this aspect of staying out of things, um, what, which mm. is what Walt wanted. 
And sometimes mm-hmm. we just can't. It's not the right thing sometimes to do that. How do you live with yourself if you just turn a blind eye? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a metaphor for so many, so many <laughs> things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was really good. I remember liking it before, and I've been surprised to run into people who say vehemently they do not like it. They can never tell mm. me exactly why. Yeah, I wonder why, too. Um, yeah. I thought it was profound. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, I, you know, by the yeah. end, yeah, it was, that was really something what happened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which we'll talk about in right, a little right. while. But yes, um, mm. yeah, this works up to this crescendo of, as you would expect, of, you know, he has to put his foot down. Mm-hmm. He has to take some action. And you're on tender hooks. Yeah. What kind of action is going to be taken? Yeah. Beautifully done. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really great. Good story. And yeah, the climax is just great. You know, Clint Eastwood is just something. He just <laughs> well, he is. is. Yeah. And it's, and it's all, of course, it, the beautiful thing about it is the screenwriters, and of course then him as director, never lost track of the fact that this is all about expressing yourself not just in words because a lot of his words are very offensive mm-hmm. but expressing yourself in actions yeah. um and especially in showing love yes for people yeah. right so anyway it's a really great movie it's yep. definitely an action movie you have to let the many many racial slurs just kind of slide over if that's something that's going to bother you in this movie he's a he's a war veteran he worked in auto plant his entire working career. He's a working class guy. Mm. Um, they show you a lot of variations on how he uses this. So there's the affectionate way he uses these slurs with his friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they use them right yeah. back. Right. And so what that shows you is this is just one way he expresses himself. He can use it hostilely mm-hmm. or just as a matter of, I'm going to describe you this way because I don't know who you are and I don't think I like you. Yeah. Not necessarily hostilely, but just this is how I'm going to call you or just to his friends as affectionately. <laughs> so um, if that's something that is bothering you, just kind of try to let it slide over you and see where it goes by the end of the movie. Yeah, I agree with that. And maybe that's why a lot of people don't like it is it's uncomfortable in <laughs> those, all those, all those words. <laughs> yeah, could be, could be. Yeah, it's possible. And but, it's grit. It's gritty yeah. in a few places. I mean, oh, sure. you don't mm-hmm. see anything happen that. Uh, how do I say it? They do a good job of you know exactly what's going on, and you may see the evidence of what went on, but you're not subjected to actual violence right in front of you, mm-hmm. um, abuse or anything like that. So yeah, yeah, it, it's fine in that way. Everything's well telegraphed. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, so off into spoilers we go. Go watch this movie if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Grand Torino, um, the, <laughs> the the title, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I liked what you said, you know, when you were describing the movie about how his family seemed to want stuff. Um, but Walt had stuff, right? Walt had mm-hmm. this garage full of tools and, and this Grand Torino that he had built really i mean it, it was in the plant but he's like i put the drivetrain in this very thing yeah. you know so he bought it you know so it it meant a lot to him but when his granddaughter was in there um in the garage just looking at it she pulled the the uh cover off of it and everything and 
um, she just wanted it, you know, it just, I mean, it was almost offensive, you know what I mean? Uh, with mm-hmm. what, with what Walt, what that meant to Walt was life, you know, it was like, this is my life in this car, meaning I, I lived with this car, you know what I mean? And I built it and it was important to him on a, on a level outside of materialism, you know? And for her, it was just like, oh, I just want it because it's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he doesn't really articulate that ever, except that you realize when you're watching the movie what it means to him and how his feelings toward Tao have radically changed mm. when he offers to let Tao drive it to take his girlfriend yeah, out. Right. Yeah. That's when he knew he was in there, right? Yeah, well, he was yeah, right, and he was having a cookout for them. Right, so right there, um, that was never going to happen before. He was throwing the food away. Like, I'm sorry, these aren't dogs or something like that. He says, Yeah, yeah, and she says, I tell you, we just eat cats. <laughs> just eat cats. Yeah, that's her sassy nature, uh, yeah, Sue's yeah. sassy nature. Well, and the other thing is, is the very end of the movie, he has bequeathed the car to Tao, yeah. And the granddaughter thought she'd get it. And I was like, well, you idiot. You didn't know him at all, but fine. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And the last scene is Tao driving the car by Lake Michigan, I assume it is. And um, that's it. And then you just see the lake and some other traffic and everything. And so what you're left is thinking, okay, this was his prized possession. This is essentially his legacy that he's passing on to Tao. So this is the new America from Walt's point of view. You know, Tao is a decent young man. He appreciates what Walt taught him, Hmm. which is how to be a man and how to know how to work and everything and how to take care of your family. And he will carry on Walt's vision of America. So going from seeing them as kind of enemy invaders of his neighborhood, he now says that doesn't matter. Your family, your American you're one of, you know, yeah. me, my people. Well put. Yeah, I like that. I like that observation. But I agree with you. You know, that that is what Walt has been looking at these neighbors as, or invaders, you know. And um, then he just ends up acting, you know. <clears throat> he ends up having to do some things. But I'm trying to remember which event came first. Was the event where he... Uh, uh, Tao in the on the lawn before the event with um, her and the three with black Sue. guys with Sue. Yes, I th- I think it was because he didn't get very far because he was so clumsy when his when his cousin who runs a gang and you think oh it's his cousin he's going to be easy on him no oh, his cousin doesn't care it's horrible. His cousin is just that was yeah. so. I mean, it, it, those scenes were so well done. I was extremely uncomfortable. I was, I was feeling so hard for that kid. You know, it was just oh, like, yeah. how are you going to not? How how are you going to get out of this? You know, it was very tense for me. Well, because they start off thinking they're doing him a favor because some a black gang was hassling him or something like that. Yeah, he's just walking down and the so, street, and, right? And so he's just kind yeah. of ignoring him and kind of thinking he can get by. And so then the cousins' gang comes up and says, "Hey!" And so they think they've saved him, 
And they kind of have, except then they're like, well, now you have to show your gratitude. It's time for you to be part of the gang. And when he says, no, that's it. The cousin can't stand it. He's going to insist on having his way. Yeah. It's just and what amazing. they're going to make him do is steal the Grand Torino. Yeah. And of course he gets his first getting the dust cloth off and he <laughs> like knocks something over. Which is <laughs> like, get the hell out of here. Oh yeah. Um, his heart wasn't And then it. I think it's Sue. Yeah. Yeah, getting assaulted by those guys or bit right, right. But yeah, but Tao, you know, so he's he's discovered. Walt discovers him in the in the uh, garage with his Grand Torino, and um, kicks him the heck out of there. And but yeah, but I mean, he was put up to it, and uh, it's like man, so hard. I mean, (laughs) that you know, oh, I just felt for him so bad. Uh, Tao. And then um, later on, then um, the gang shows up and they're insistent on um, having this kid go with them. But then they end up getting in a little tussle in their front yard. And yeah, there's Walt's Walt. on the front porch yeah. going, oh man. <laughs> and He's going to get his gun. That's right. And then there's that famous line from this movie, you know, get off my lawn. Yeah. But, but said in a Clint Eastwood way. <laughs> well, yeah, and so then what happens is, is that the thing when, I thought it was after, well, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Things have happened like this. So it's either that he rescues Sue or. Yeah, so that, that makes me that makes me think that it was after that event that he rescues Sue. Because he knew who she was. Um, and, right. you know, so so the family, the, the Hmong family next door starts to, he, he goes home and there's flowers on his stairs and they keep bringing him food and he's like no more no more yeah they're just so grateful uh that he he um he got rid of that gang you know they 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 left Tao uh, behind and took off and um but now of course he's there he's a uh, target well also though um what happens is we see how how much he changes how he acts because that's the thing I was talking about before where they're bringing all this stuff and leaving it on his steps and he's filling up trash cans and trash bags. He won't even taste it. He throws it away. Mm. Um, and Sue has him come over for the barbecue yeah. that they're having. Yeah. And um, he's going through the house and this is when we get to see a little bit of the Hmong culture. Right. And we know that Walt is intensely traditional and that's, you know, when you were saying that when he says Mr. Kowalski to the priest instead of Walt, um, that this is how he feels about the priest. But I think also the bigger implication at that point is I want to be called Mr. until I've said we're friends. Mm. Treat me properly. Yeah. I understand this because I myself will feel this. Mm. Okay. You know, I yeah. go into a Seven Eleven and someone goes, well, Julie, behind the <laughs> counter, I'm like... I don't know you that well. You don't have to call me Mrs. Davis, I suppose, but you don't, I don't know you. Don't call me by my first name. Mm. So mm-hmm. I'm a bit crabby that way. I don't say anything. I just move on. But, mm. um, but so he's intensely traditional. And that's also made obvious in the way he talks with his kids who are really just kind of treating him like an obstacle mm. rather than someone to be loved or respected or cared about at all. Yeah. But, and so when he goes in and sees the Hmong people, I was surprised at how well he reacted when he was in that really strange environment. Yeah, and it was it was like a little breaking of the ice, right? A little because mm-hmm. he had had that conversation with 
Sue while they drove back in his pickup after mm-hmm. that incident. By the way, did you know that the boyfriend or the, the date <laughs> in that was Clint Eastwood's son? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that poor kid had never had a chance. I mean, I'm talking no. about in the movie. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, Clint Eastwood didn't even respect him either. He was like, just go away, man. Yeah, you, you didn't stand him up for? for her at all, man. Yeah, it's like, you need to get out of here. Um, so, yeah, so that was really good. But I, I liked that conversation. Um, I think one of the key things he learned in that conversation, he was like, well, why'd you end up in my neighborhood? You know, she's, she's talking about where she's from and he's asking her questions and mm-hmm. he's like, you know, we're from Laos and, you know, we're the hill people like you were saying earlier. And then, um, he says, well, how did you end up in my neighborhood? And she said, well, it's basically your fault, right? It's Americans right. fault. We fought with Americans. And then when the war ended, we had to get out of there. Otherwise we were going to die. Yeah. And, um, I think that turned something in him. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it at least gave him a different perspective on the whole thing. They'd been through the stuff he'd been through. Yeah. And um, it made him think again, of course, as we find out at the toward the end of the movie, about things he didn't want to think about, I think. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that were buried deep down about how he acted during the war. And so, and so what happens is, is that he also is told then, or maybe as they're going through the house, she's like, we're super conservative and traditional. Hmm. Although their traditions are so different from his. So he actually, I think is spending a lot of time respecting their traditions because he would want his own traditions respected. You don't see it expressed that way. But when he's like, no one will look me in the eye. And she's like, oh, no, that's very rude. You can't do that. Oh, okay. Um, And I liked that all these traditions are kind of these rituals and things are kind of getting explained by her as they go through. And the filmmakers were really, they weren't trying to make them stand out as being weird. They're just like, this is how they live and this is why they do it. So they were kind of being affirmed by the filmmakers too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just like Walt is, nobody ever goes around saying your traditions are right, but we understand where they come from because we're from this country. Yeah. And I liked that he could be in that room because mm-hmm. it was surprising. I mean, I think that you may have said that already, but it was surprising that she talked him into going over. And it was surprising that he could stand in the room. And uh, surrounded by these folks that he appeared to really dislike. But there was some kind of a thaw occurring. And, um, I don't know, he was hungry. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I'm also wondering if, because that was right after his son and daughter-in-law came over to give him his birthday presents. that's right. Which basically Mm -hmm. were like, here's a phone with giant numbers because you're old. And you can't see, here's a grabber that you could pick things up on the floor with. And it's like they're treating him like he's about four Mm. or got a mental problem or whatever. That's such a good point. Yeah. Have you met him? He's not, you know, they're treating him with the condescension of an old person. Oh, and you should move into one of these places. This neighborhood's too dangerous anymore. And at that point, I was like, is that house worth anything? Because I think they just want to get the money from it. They yeah, didn't ever say that. I had the that. same thought. It was like, what, what was in it for them? You know? Yeah. Um, I exactly. definitely felt that. And, um, but I, I really like that point. And to those neighbors, he was a hero, right? He had, 
he had done something that they really appreciated. And they were treating him as a person, you know? Yeah, well, at least with respect. They're, right. I, like, I don't know why you're here, but, you know, mm-hmm. the shaman is like he would like to do a reading on you and you can't you can't say no, by yeah. the way, because that would be so insulting. And <laughs> um, that's when he says uh, you're not at peace. Yes, that's right. But I did love when she goes in to find him. I can't remember what she's who she's talking to or we just it's a cut scene to a different scene where he goes in and finds him and he's sitting at the kitchen table with about like eight old ladies all eating dumplings together, mm. you know? And he's like, well, no, this food is really good. I'm going to have some, <laughs> no, there's more food. Out here. Come on out here. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just, it was really funny, but I think because it was his birthday oh, and yeah. his family mm-hmm. was so unsatisfactory and yeah. I think it just left him feeling really sad and disappointed. His wife oh, had died good. not that long ago. Yeah. And this girl, at least, even if nobody else, wanted him this girl was insistent on having him join her and you know he liked her right yeah very good yeah and i forgot the birthday aspect as well so yeah Mm -hmm. there was definitely that and i i particularly enjoyed there was a a woman there who do who did not like walt (laughs) he called her grandma right yeah (laughs) he's like what's her problem i mean i don't remember the exact words but she, she doesn't like me or something like that yeah. He says, oh, no, she says this. And he goes, that's not what she said. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. She, yeah, she says a whole sentence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, too good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. That yeah, yes. was joyous, you bet. What I like is, you know, you were saying this kind of is a bit of a thaw. Mm-hmm. And because he had to get close to them and interact with them some. So later we see them bringing him some more food for some other reason. I can't remember. Oh, because he gets out to fix up somebody's house or something, but um, they start bringing him food. He's like, no, no. And he goes, well, hold on. And he opens it up and sniffs it and goes, okay, you can put it in there. <laughs> yeah. At that time he's <laughs> like, he's oh, had that food. He's and so, yeah, yeah, that's great. This is really good. But what I was thinking is, so mm-hmm. that thought him a little bit, but the thing that really, of course, made the difference was when he had to have Tao work for him. When the mother discovers that Tao tried to steal his car, she is shamed and they have to redeem themselves by having Tao work for him for a week, doing anything he wants, chores, whatever, hard work, Mm -hmm. so that they can get their honor back. And he's like, I don't care about their honor. And Sue's like, no, you have to do this. (laughs) And because he likes her, he'll kind of take it seriously and everything. And so he does... And although he tries to brush Tao off, Tao's like, no, I have to be here. That's right. Yeah, I might as well do something. And Tao has never really done physical labor or fixed mm-hmm. things with tools. And in showing him how to do this, this isn't one of those things where they have the great montage and they're getting to know each other and someone drops a hammer and the other one laughs. You know, no. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> a different movie. <laughs> but through having him do all this stuff, he suddenly, like, I'm out of stuff for you to do because I maintain my house. And it's like, you know what I'm sick of? Looking at the eyesore across the street. <laughs> yeah, I love over there that. And I love this that. person's house. And yeah, you remember during that dinner when he went next door and had the dinner, um, he did have a conversation with, with Tao, too. In the basement, you know, he went in the basement, and there's Tao kind oh, of right. sitting the off by himself. Yeah, and there's a, there was a girl there that seemed to be paying attention to Tao, but Tao mm-hmm. was not paying attention back. And Walt walks over there and says, "Yeah, you blew it with that girl. <laughs> yeah. You know, you blew it, man. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with you." 
And uh, yeah, it's like she likes you, and he's like, she does. Yeah. So I mean, that was he, the beginning of yeah. that fatherly relationship. Well, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but you're exactly right. He does take a bit of a paternal interest in at that point, or a guy interest. Yeah. And Tao's yeah. never had anyone. There's no father there. Mm-hmm. Any of the men you ever see around there are either you know thugs like his cousin, or older men. Yeah, and um, he was gardening, and the sister said, "Yeah, that's woman's work," mm. but he's doing it anyway. And so, um, I mean, she didn't care. She's adapted to America well, but she's just like mm-hmm. in our culture. Here we are. You know, I I think that I I really enjoy in stories this this relationship between an old man and a young man. Um, there's so many stories that have this relationship. And um, I really enjoy him when I find him. Stephen yeah. King has been spending a lot of time in that territory lately. Hmm. Um, I think I picked a movie for next year um, called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Can't remember no. if I put that on a list or not. No, you didn't. <laughs> if I didn't, I was considering it. Um, but, but if it you has, want to change it out, yeah. You can. So it has Donald Sutherland and um, a young man in that movie. Um, hmm. Donald Sutherland is playing Mr. Harrigan and it's a Netflix movie from okay. a Stephen King short story uh-huh. um, that I, I think is worth watching. Well, you might have to change the list a little. Maybe so. Maybe so. It could, could adjust That was as in we the go. consideration list. I know that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, but the, yeah, there's just something about that. This passing on this fatherly thing, um, passing on wisdom, um, you know, so it's often about, a the older man uh is somehow has in a way you could see messed up uh his family relationships so he's alone and then this boy comes into the scene who is somebody who's struggling and needs assistance and then um yeah the 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 older man takes this fatherly role and and guides him which is definitely the whole story here what um, Walt does for Tao is, it's an amazing thing, actually. You know, it's um, it's it's one of the fundamental things that I think a, a boy needs is this father figure um, to answer the questions, right? To answer the questions and show them how to do it. Well, yeah, to, to kind of lead the way and say, through my experience, this is how you get along. And it's a funny thing to be watching this because... Um, when you see Walt kind of trying to teach Tao how to work, how to talk like a man, you know, mm-hmm. and you just go, okay, he's teaching him how to talk like a man of about like maybe 40 years ago or something <laughs> might have done in yeah. that neighborhood with that mm-hmm. background. Tao is not at all suited to this. It works when he gets a job with the construction crew. That was so great. Yeah. Yeah. But Tao <laughs> is, uh, and Tao, the great thing about Tao is he's doing it, mm-hmm. and you can see he's willing to do it the best he can because mm-hmm. he doesn't understand it, but yeah. he also understands, I'll never have to do this, really. Yeah, yeah. This isn't it. <laughs> but what he does learn from him, I mean, because this is like, okay, um, <laughs> you, use your, you have your nicknames, you can call each other stuff because you're friends with each other, Uh and you, you're not friends yet. Like when he walks in and says that to the barber. Yeah. Um, and he's not friends with him. So they stop right then. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're teaching him here some of this stuff, which he may not know 
even for, we never see him with a friend. So we don't know if he's even got anything like that, but what will really winds up showing him. And this is of course, by the end going through serious things, which is what happens when you're friends. And of course, neighbors, you see families in happy times and also in very serious times. And it means that you're loyal to the people you love and you're willing to do whatever it takes to protect them. Mm. And he also has to teach Tao. Tao thinks that means using weapons. That's all Tao's seen. He's seen the gangs, whatever he may remember of the war before they came over um, or, you know, whatever. And Walt, of course, was a soldier and he's got weapons and he's using his gun around the neighborhood to make points and make people back off and get off his lawn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But of course, at the end, the message is much more powerful and it's a message that I feel like Clint Eastwood wanted to make because, you know, he was Dirty Harry. Mm. He was tough. He was a loner. He used his great big gun to get things done. And he's been in a lot of movies like that. But this movie shows the cost of living that life. Mm. This is like oh, if Dirty great. Harry was old, right? This mm-hmm. I was just thinking of this when I was watching it. He regrets killing. He regret, He was so callous to life that he shot that kid in the face, that soldier who wanted to um, surrender when he tells that story. He hates himself. That's why he's not at peace. He can't forget it. And so he undoes it by sacrificing his life for the innocent who need protection. Hmm. And that's when, and I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead. No, but that's of course, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, he's both the redeemed and the redeemer hmm. when he dies. Yeah. He is, he falls in that crucified position, right? And that is movie code. You do not do that, as we've discussed, unless you are sending a clear message to the audience. Mm. So he is sacrificing himself willingly for others. Right. And we know that, of course, already. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it was and, powerful. I mean. Yeah, it was very powerful. And mm. he, um, it really just shows this is the true way to be a man. Hmm. If you have to give everything yourself, you give it, you know, he's got a plan. He's got witnesses. He planned it out. Like he said, I'm thinking I'm planning. I, this has to work just right. And the priest also doesn't understand. And the priest is there with the cops earlier going, Oh, something awful is going to happen. I just know. Yeah. It. And I loved that. Um, you know, the priest, um, again, he shows up throughout the movie to try to talk to him, him into mm-hmm. this confession. And um, Clint Eastwood tells him, you know, I think you're an overeducated 27-year-old who likes to hold (laughs) old women's hands and tell them that they're going to live forever, you know. And, um, you know, so he's he's quite honest with him and everything. But then, you know, after all of this, he shows up at the church and says, "Uh, I'm here to do a confession. And, Mm -hmm. And the priest says, oh, my gosh, what have you done? You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was thinking that, yeah. you know, he just did something and he needed to, uh, to, to do the confession. Oh, I feel like he knows Walt pretty well by that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so very likely because, yeah, because I mean, this, this thing had happened and father Janovich, I mean, he knew and he, he had talked to Walt about it, you know, it's just like, Oh, this is terrible. And 
um, you know, just trying to support the family and everything through what had happened, which is this gang that was trying to do that, you know, just, um, he, they hurt Sue really bad, you know, um, but they shot up the front of the house. They did a drive by. Mm -hmm. Um, so they hurt Tao, but it was not bad. Um, but then they had taken Sue and that was, that was something too. When Walt ran next door to see if everybody was okay after the shooting, yeah, he said, where's Sue? And, uh, Tao says, Oh, that he, she's over at this house. And he said, call her now, you know, cause he knew yeah. what these folks were capable of. And yeah. sure as heck it was too late. Horrible. Uh, Horrible. And that was the thing he said to the, the gangs guys at the end. He's like, you know, Rape your own cousin? Watch her hurt like that? What's wrong with you? And he's saying that to his neighbors. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's saying it yeah. out loud because he's, you know, he's standing in front of their house and you can see people all around looking out. And uh, yeah, they're all watching. Yeah. He said, This is what's going on here, everybody. Well, and you do kind of wonder, um, you think about the situation in that neighborhood where the decent people, are being held hostage essentially because they're living in that really violent neighborhood. And you think, and he's going around with his gun and everything and people are going, you shouldn't do that. And I'm thinking, but can situations like this change without extreme measures? I mean, Mm. it has to be that they can, but how does it happen? How does it happen? Yeah. You, you read occasionally you'll, there'll be a documentary or a movie or, you know, a story, a book about something where somebody did change a neighborhood, but it takes such a concerted effort. No, I agree. And and this this time it was violence, right? Um, mm-hmm. Something well, almost like Flannery O'Connor would do. It's like, a, mm-hmm. you know, hitting you in, in the head with a shovel or having the bull kill you. You know what I mean? Um, but it was just yeah. a shocking event to create change. Um to create right, because, awareness and for people to realize. Yeah, because yeah. his selflessness, his sacrifice, it frees not only Tao and Sue and their family from the cousin and the gang, but the whole neighborhood. Yeah, everybody. You know, everybody's got yeah. a fresh chance, you hope. Yeah. The way the movie tells it, they do. So we're going with that. Well, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a beautiful thing. But I really did like the priest, and I know, um, and maybe we just keep circling back to him. And but the thing I, like I said before, the thing I loved is he was fighting for the truth. Mm. And when he does the homily at Walt's funeral, <laughs> he talks about that. He says, "You know, we first met, and Walt told me I didn't know anything." And he goes, "But I learned. I talked to Walt, and I saw what he did, and I've learned a lot." Mm. That's right. And so right there, Walt also has another legacy because this is an honest priest. He wants the truth. He fights for it. And he's going to keep applying that truth and learning more as he goes. But Walt's legacy is always going to be there behind him Yeah, as he factors that I, in. I really liked the priest. I mean, I, mm-hmm. that's why, I think that's why I keep coming back to him because, <clears throat> like you said earlier, I mean, he kept coming back. He could take what Walt dished him. Mm-hmm. He didn't get mad. He he was trying to understand and um, became a better person because of his interaction with Walt. Mm-hmm. He could have just turned around and said, okay, you know, whatever, whatever you want. You don't want me around. Um, that's fine. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. But he didn't. And he was, he had this strength, this manly strength himself. 
where he was courageous. And, um, I mean, even with the, the event that happened next door, he was around trying to help, you know, trying to do things for them. Um, he was right in the thick of it and, um, yeah, you know, I, I just really appreciated him. I thought it was a really, really great character. I thought he did good. Yeah, no, I liked it. Uh, I don't remember who the actor was. I don't know if I've seen him again, but he did a good job. Yeah, I'm not sure who the actor was either, but no, but matter. yeah, but that um, <clears throat> that final scene or the 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 climactic scene was yeah, uh, like you said, I was riveted. I knew it was going to happen, but you know this this time around, but I was just like. It, it was just so well done. And Clint Eastwood was the director, you know? So, I mean, just yeah. the tension that was created, you know, again with uh, Tao and the, the guys trying to talk him into being a gang member. Uh, mm-hmm. I really felt that. And then um, this final scene, I really felt that. You know, I'm just saying it was extremely skillful. Um, oh, yeah. No, but because I'd forgotten all the people watching. From around and you can't, and they all looked like normal people. So you, I'm sure they were just like, oh my gosh, mm. yes, get rid of these people. But yeah. um, this gang. But the thing I really didn't remember is right when he's gonna put his hand in his pocket, he says "Hail Mary, full of grace," just so quietly, mm. and I I just got chills because of course any Catholic remembers the very last line. Pray for me now and at the hour of my death. Right. Yeah. And this is, you know, I'm doing it. <laughs> Be here with me. And you're just like, so he's fully restored to God. He knows exactly what he's doing. And of course, it's all in their hands. They don't have to shoot him. He set them up to really think it because he's acting just like he did during that one time. And he did pull out a gun. Yeah. That's all their choice. That's right. That's right. Perfectly executed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did the thing, and it was perfect. Police came, arrested him. They're going to be gone for a long time, hopefully forever. Yeah, so many uh, witnesses. Yeah, so many witnesses. Yeah. Just great. Any idea what Clint Eastwood's religious background is? Nope. I don't either. Yeah, I'm just curious if you knew. But um, he also did Million Dollar Baby, so kind of yeah. like, that's, you know... Not as great a message. Um, yeah, from a and isn't point that view. one uh, like a euthanasia kind of a yep, situation? It yeah, because sure I never is. did see that movie, but it's one of those things that's around and you kind of glean it. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't really interested in the boxing thing and the mm-hmm. woman box. I guess it was Hillary Swank, maybe. Yeah. But I knew it yeah. wound up with her, you know, paralyzed and he was going to yeah. help her take care of it. But And so I never saw it. Because mm-hmm. I just was like, I I get this message from the culture every day. I don't need to see a movie glorifying it. I will watch, just recommend, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. as a much yeah. better movie okay. about the same thing. Very good, very good. I'm just and looking, he's French. got one movie still coming out. He's um, heavens. 90, 93 or whatever. Juror uh-huh. number two, it's called. Mm. And it says it's in production. Which, okay. uh, you know, with the strike and everything, I wonder if it's just kind oh, of in limbo. Yeah. 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 Um, I did want to mention, too, because you were talking about as a director, he, he set up the scenes so well, and especially that um, climactic scene, as you mm-hmm. were saying. But 
I was thinking also there were a, a few things along the way that I really appreciated about it. So when you look at the neighborhood, mm-hmm. it's like the condition of the houses. Does mm. it say anything about the people who are living there? What does that tell us? Mm. And of course, what we learn as we go, it's not that everybody doesn't maybe necessarily have self-respect and everything like you think of in an American, regular American neighborhood. It's this is not their heritage. This is not what they're used to. They don't know how to maintain it. Although Tao's like, help me figure out how to fix this sink faucet, you know, help me, you know, so, um, but you would think that it would be, you know, people who don't care about things. The one person who is a part of our culture from beginning, his house is immaculate. Hmm. And Walt. Yep. Yep. Very nice. And um, I don't know what that says about Walt's inner condition, except that he has pride and, <laughs> you know, he's going to take yeah. care of things. But I liked that. And then also I loved, of course, in the soundtrack, whenever Walt's going to take military action, there's just a hint of a military drama in the background. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did you like that? Oh, of course. Did you yeah. notice it? I, I didn't yeah. notice it. But I do like it. Yeah, I'm going to end yeah, up to watch anytime. it again. Yeah. So when the guys are bothering Sue and he rolls his window down <laughs> and he's talking to them, when he starts having to get tougher, there's just a da-da-da-da. And that's it, <laughs> very quietly. Mm. And of course, so then when he is uh, setting himself up to be killed, it's stronger and mm. in the background, but it's still there because that's his signature for whenever he's going to do something. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So I liked those little things. Like oh, that. that's great. You know, mm-hmm. I saw a thing on social media months ago, um, not very recently, but it was somebody who was on a talk show and they were talking about Clint Eastwood as a director. Oh. And he said, um, you know, most directors, you know, they say action, you know, and it's like you get it set up and they're like, action, let it rip, you know. And he said, Clint Eastwood sets everything up, starts rolling, and then he says, Okay, yeah, whenever you guys are ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I just that that made I just thought that was cool. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, he didn't I'm, doesn't okay. like to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Action. <laughs> Not his style. Not his style. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that when um the Hmong actors were talking, he encouraged them to ad lib in their language. Oh, nice. Because the screenwriters could kind of give the sense of what they wanted, but it wasn't going to be natural. Mm. So he's like, okay, well, here's where we're going with it. So you do whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. That's neat. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really looked into the background of, of this movie at all. There's Um, tons. Well, there's, there's some background in terms of some people later it came out and they went, well, that's not representative of our culture Mm. and blah, 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 blah. And, I tend to not pay attention to that a lot of the time because that's not really what the movie was getting at was tell us about their culture. They were mm-hmm. doing the best they could because they weren't from the culture. Yeah. Um, but the two writers worked in a steel mill and they knew some monks near there. Hmm. And so they wrote the script on pieces of paper during lunch breaks. Oh, wow. And they would talk to the actors about their lives and everything. Uh No, not the actors, but they would talk to the people they knew about their lives. And then later, they had open casting calls for Hmong actors in different places. Yeah, Mm -hmm. very good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
You bet. Yeah, he came a long way from uh, you know every which way you can or any any. Oh see. my god! What is any that? Which way but loose? Any which way but loose, right? <laughs> that, that was the sequel I named, which was is crazy. That the one with the monkey, the yep, ringtone. Yep. Yeah, Clyde, right managed turn, Clyde. to miss that one. Thanks. <laughs> How could you miss that one? I don't know. Oh, I guess shoot. I was rewatching one of the spaghetti westerns or oh, something. I'll fun. take the Clint Eastwood with the cigarillo between his teeth yeah. and the serape and the. <laughs> And that was people. like his first stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, he was yeah. so young. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I'd like to read a biography of him. The hmm. last uh, movie-ish biography I read was Buster Keaton. There was oh, a really yeah. nice book called Buster Keaton. It was, it's terrific. It's really good. I don't yeah. really read movie biographies. I don't really care no. about them. Oh, I don't. I haven't read a ton, but um, sure hmm. did like that one. No, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, no, I just don't care. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. <laughs> I was trying to analyze it. went, no, <laughs> yeah, just don't uh, care. Yeah, yeah. I watch them in the movie and who cares? Okay, well, you fine. were reading um, something by Siskel and Ebert or something about Siskel and Ebert. Sorry. Uh, those aren't actors for one yes, thing. But yes, sure. I'm reading, yeah. uh, it's called Opposable Thumbs. Oh, yes, that's by right. By Matt Singer. And um, I follow him on Letterboxd. And saw that he had a book coming out. And I'm listening to the audio very slowly. I don't have a lot of time for it, but um, he's and he's reading it, and it's a good book. It's interesting. It's just talks about Siskel and Ebert's collaboration and everything from mm. the beginning to the end. So I've just finally listened to chapter two, I guess. But it, it, so yeah, because it starts off talking about how unlikely this was and how it even happened, and then it's. Roger Ebert's life, Gene Siskel's life, which is what I'm getting ready for, and then goes on and talks about everything else, I guess. It's oh, only cool. eight hours long, but nice. yeah, very entertaining. That's good. I, I did read Roger Ebert's book uh, several years ago. He wrote a book, and I'm trying to remember what it was called. Mm-hmm. There it is. We life about itself. The movie. Life itself. Yeah. Yeah. A memoir. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't we watch the movie? <clears throat> um, the documentary? We, yeah, we maybe we did. Did we do we that did. here? Life itself. Maybe the documentary. we did. Yes. <laughs> I would never have watched it otherwise. So I remember that. Let's see. Uh, we've been doing this a long time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes, we have. Golly, we have. What yes. was it? Was it January 5th, okay. 2011 was episode one. Life itself was episode 111. Wow. July 2015. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Yeah, we did that. And I remember it well. <laughs> <laughs> For shame, For sir. Shame. <laughs> For shame. Oh, man. That's, That's the worst covering fun. I've ever heard. Yeah. So this you is episode to... 320, everybody. So, yeah, yeah, 320 movies and books. Movies or books, that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Love it. And more still to come. Fun. More to come. Still way yep. fun. Yep. Yep. We're, our Very lists good. are still long. That's right. Okay. So, yeah. So, next up for us is a book that you have chosen mm-hmm. called The Feast by Margaret Kennedy. Yes. And I know nothing about this. <laughs> this is a... <laughs> I call it a mystery because it is a mystery, but that's not the point of the book in the traditional sense. It's the book opens and you find out that a not too long ago in this Cornish town, a cliff 
fell down and there was a hotel that was uh, kind of in a cove under the cliff and it's buried and seven people died in it. Mm. But you don't know who the people are who died. And then it goes back and tells from a week before that happened. So you meet Oof. all the people as they're showing up at the hotel, as they start interacting, you learn who everybody is. And so the whole time I'm, I'm reading this going, Oh, they'd be, it'd be okay if you were in that house. Oh no, <laughs> not this person. You know, so, um, and as you learn more about the people and as they kind of develop and change, you change who you're interested in having this happen to. Oh no, they got better. Oh no, they got worse. <laughs> um, so it's, it's really, I found it quite suspenseful in that way. Great. Oh, I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah. Going to be fun. Yep. Well, cool. Fingers crossed. All right. You betcha. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks, I guess, round about after Thanksgiving. Right. Right, right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> after our feasts, we'll talk about the feasts. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. All right. Take care, okay. everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.